I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to the third segment of our new podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. People often ask me why the bay is not getting better. So I thought I'd share my thoughts on that subject. The answer is, uh, surprisingly, the bay is getting better. Let me give you a few examples. Oysters are coming back. In fact, they haven't been this good since back in the mid-80s. Underwater grasses are a little bit more modest, but they're starting to rebound, especially up on the Susquehanna Flats and in some other areas around the bay. And water clarity is improving. And the dead zone is starting to retreat, modestly, but it's a start. We can celebrate. You can read more about all of this on our website, cbf.org. So the next question I get is, what's driving this improvement? Bottom line, taxpayers and the ratepayers have funded upgrades to sewage treatment plants throughout the region. Literally millions of pounds of pollution have been kept out of the bay and its rivers and streams. That's really good news. But there's even better news, especially when we look out well into the future. Each state in the watershed has developed a clean water blueprint outlining the steps that must be taken to reduce pollution much further to fully restore water quality in all the streams, rivers, and the main bay. The states have committed to implementing 60% of these practices by 2017 and to finish the job entirely by 2025. Of course, then we'll have a big job just trying to hold the gains we've made. What's remarkable is that the states have committed to work in two-year increments that must be fully transparent. They must plan, implement, monitor, and then report on progress every two years towards the final 2025 deadline. In this way, we'll know if the process is on track and we'll know if they're falling behind. And there's one more element that's even more remarkable. The states are doing all of this in partnership with the feds through EPA, the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. The states have actually given EPA the hammer, so to speak, to bring it down on, the, on them if they do fall behind. There's a very clear understanding that EPA must be the enforcer. And if a state or more than one state falls behind, EPA will impose sanctions, such as withholding grant funding, withdrawing permitting authority, things like that. So everything is fine, right? No need to worry anymore about the Bay now. <laughs> Sorry, but that's just not true. There's a dark cloud on the horizon, one which puts our health, the safety of our drinking water, and even our economy at risk, much less the overall water quality of the Bay. It's an effort by a very powerful, very wealthy group of agro-industrial lobbying associations. 
They're willing to spend any amount of money necessary to derail the process. They're not from around here. They're outsiders, so to speak. They represent the huge agricultural industries of the Midwest. The Fertilizer Institute, the Grain Growers, the Hog Council, just to name a few. And they've persuaded 21 attorneys general from as far away as some of the far western states to join them. Their argument is that the federal government has overreached. Even though this is a partnership, they're saying this is unconstitutional, federal overreach. They're trying to persuade the federal courts to throw this whole process out the window. So far, the courts are holding firm, and a major decision is pending now with the Third Circuit Court in Philadelphia. That's the last step before the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court decides to take the case. We're pretty positive that the law will be upheld. This is really all about the Federal Clean Water Act and its ability to do the right things in supporting clean water. We're fully committed, but we're not in the clear even if we do hold off this legal assault. We have one element of the Bay Restoration problem that's right here in the watershed. And maybe it's even more of a concern when you think about it. It's the Susquehanna River. The mighty Susquehanna provides half of all the fresh water entering the bay. Think about that. This one river supplies as much as all of the other rivers combined. The James, the York, the Rappahannock, the Patuxent, the Eastern Shore Rivers, the Chester, the Choptank, the Nanticoke, Add all of them together, and don't forget the Potomac, and you still don't have as much pollution and as much fresh water as is coming down the Susquehanna. It's the largest source, of course, and much of that comes from the agricultural sector. Recent scientific estimates show that instead of declining, at least one pollutant, nitrogen, from agriculture in Pennsylvania and even upstate New York is increasing, and that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, at least, is way off track to meet the goals it has set. But here's an interesting twist. You might say it's a crisis that doesn't have to be. There's some silver linings in those dark clouds. Reducing pollution from agriculture is much, much less costly than upgrading sewage treatment plants or reducing pollution running off our streets and our parking lots. I've been meeting with top officials in Governor Tom Wolf's administration who fully acknowledge that not enough was done by prior administrations and they're committed to do what needs to be done going forward. Pennsylvania does have the laws and regulations which if enforced would significantly reduce pollution. The problem is inspections of small farms in targeted watersheds have found that less than one in three is in compliance. Less than one in three of the small farms are in compliance. 
Governor Wolf has inherited a regulatory bureaucracy woefully inadequate to enforce current laws. Only six inspectors are employed to review compliance of more than 45,000 farms. Six inspectors for 45,000 farms. At the current pace of inspection, it would take 160 years to visit all of the farms just once. That has to change, and EPA must effectively carry out its role to make sure it does. Meeting Pennsylvania's commitments will provide significant economic benefits to both the Commonwealth and the region. CBF's peer-reviewed economic report found that once the blueprint is fully implemented and the benefits fully realized, the value of natural services provided in the Commonwealth alone would increase by $6.2 billion annually, from $32.6 to $38.8 billion annually. Meeting its commitments will also leave a legacy of clean water for all future generations right in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So we're increasing our presence. CBF is increasing our presence in the Commonwealth. Because as the old saying makes clear, as goes the Susquehanna, so goes the Chesapeake Bay. We're heartened by the Wolf Administration's commitment to address these challenges, a commitment that we will not only encourage, we'll be cheering, but we will also monitor. I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. 